0: Christmas is our series. Revolution is the talk today. And I think about this word revolution, the song we just sang, revolution. And and, and I think about some things that have revolutionized our world. And one of the biggest things that have revolutionized our culture, that has revolutionized our world is technology. Just think about how technology has revolutionized our world. How many of you in this place right now, you, you, you own a cell phone. Just lift your hand. Come on, just lift your hand. You have a cell phone. I mean, look at it. Most people in this place have a cell phone. I mean, just, just not long ago, it was just, you know, several years ago, cell phones weren't in demand. They weren't popular. And now today, most people, most of the kids in the kids' church got a cell phone. I mean, it's crazy. And They're not paying the bill, though, how I many of you know that? But they got a cell phone. It's amazing. Most people in this place today, you have a home computer or you have access to a computer that you use frequently. It's amazing how technology has revolutionized our world and our culture. There are people here today, they have an iPhone, not a cell phone, an iPhone, and they're following along with me with the scriptures every week by the internet on their phone. It's amazing how technology has revolutionized our culture. We, we just launched a new website. We're still tweaking, tweaking it and getting and the quality where we want it to be. But with this new launch of our website this past week, now our sermons are online with video, not just audio, but you can watch the messages on video. And so there'll be people around the world that'll go on our internet tomorrow when we put the message on there, and they'll watch it all across the world. We get emails, Facebook, of people that are watching the messages. Unbelievable how technology has revolutionized our world. I have an iPod. When I go to the gym, I I have this little iPod with music and, and preaching on it, and I listen to it while I work out. I mean, the things about this small, is so small, but, but, but it has such an impact because I can listen to worship music, I can, I can listen to preaching and be, be motivated. It's amazing how technology has revolutionized our world. And one of my favorite things about technology is email. I love email. I communicate all the time via email. Now, there are some of you, you're not up to date, and that's okay. That's okay. Some of you here still write letters. I can't tell you the last time I wrote a letter. I don't know the last. And I'm just curious and not making fun of you. I'm just wondering how many of you still old school and you still write a letter and mail it. Just lift your hand up in here. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a few of you. Yeah, some of you are ashamed to do it. That's okay. Lift your hand up. Lift your hand up. Yeah, you still write. Letters. And, you know, I feel bad for you because you're wasting 44 cents. It's free to get click email. <laughs> And so may the Lord help you not to spend your forty-four cents on a ladder. But but it's a technology. If you think about it, has revolutionized our world. And even though technology has had such a great impact on our world, the one thing that has the greatest impact that has revolutionized our world more than anything is Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ came and was born from a from a Virgin Mary, he has revolutionized our world more than any technology, more than any human being that's ever walked planet Earth. Matter of fact, he has had such a great impact on our world that we had a split time. Now it's B C and A D. Nobody else who ever lived on planet Earth ever got had such an impact that we split time for them. But when Jesus came, that's before Christ and after death, and now we split time up because he has had a revolutionary impact upon our world. And literally, my life has been changed because of Jesus Christ. Many of you, your lives have been changed because of Jesus Christ. There are literally millions of people all around the globe whose lives have been changed because this baby Jesus on Christmas Day came and was born, and he started a revolution in the hearts and lives of people. And what I want to do today is I want to talk to you and share three things with you about how Jesus came and started a revolution. The first thing that I want to share with you is this. Number one, you can follow along with me in your bulletin, fill in the blanks there. Number one is this. Jesus reaches the unreachable. He came and started a revolution by reaching the unreachable. Now, understand this about religion. Religion says that God is for clean people. Religion says things like God only cares about people who have it all together. God doesn't have time for people whose lives are messed up. Religion says God doesn't have time for people who are living a wild and sinful life. God doesn't have time for those kind of people. And, friends, those thoughts couldn't be further from the the truth. Because I want you to understand that Jesus Christ came to earth and he started a revolution. He messed up religious. Thinking And started a revolution. Let me share with you an example of how Jesus started a revolution and he was tearing down this, this religious ideology of God only wants to help clean people and people who have it all together. Matthew chapter 9 verse 9 through 13 says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many, notice how the Bible emphasizes that, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him. They ate with Jesus and his disciples. Can I tell you that unchurched people, sinful people, people who do not have it all together, they were attracted to Jesus. Verse number 11 says, When the Pharisees saw this, the Pharisees are the religious people. They're bound by tradition and religion. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why is Jesus hanging out with those heathens? Why is Jesus eating and having fellowship with people who are not living right, don't have the right lifestyle, they're doing wrong things? Why in the world would Jesus be around those kind of Why does he have time for them? And the Bible says, verse 12, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. Jesus said, it's not healthy people who need help. Healthy people don't need medication. Healthy people don't need to go to the doctor. And Jesus said, verse 13, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And then Jesus says a revolutionary statement right here. He, he messes up religion, religion and religious people. And he says, for I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. Jesus said, I didn't leave heaven and come to earth for righteous people. I came here for sinners. Jesus said, I came to earth to reach the unreachable. I was born on that first Christmas day to reach sinners, to reach hurting and broken and messed up people. And I want you to know something today. You don't have to have it all together before you come to Jesus. I want you to know Jesus came to reach you right where you are. Wherever you you may be far from God today, you don't know anything about God. You showed up here because you heard about this church and you don't know anything about God. You may have just crossed the line and you're struggling and you got issues and you just barely have given your heart to God last week and you're still struggling with issues. I want you to know that Jesus came for you. And you know what oftentimes what religion says? Religion says oftentimes that you got to dress right. you got to look right. you got to talk right. You got to act right before you can come to God. If you really want to come to God and please God, you got to get your act together and then you can come to God. And oftentimes people are putting on a front and they're so busy trying to look good, trying to put up a front in front of people because we buy into this religion and this thinking that I got to get myself together before God will accept me. That's just religion. And even people who have followed God for years can get caught up in religion. You, you know how it is. Some of you, you, you drive to church and maybe one Sunday is an off Sunday and you and your spouse are arguing all the way to church. Now, some of you have too many off Sundays. Hey, Amen. You have an off Sunday about every week, but that's a, that's a whole other message and I'm not dealing with that right now. But you have a, you argue all the way to church. And you know how we can get religious and, and you argued and fuss and fight and then you get inside the church and somebody says, how are you doing? Oh, well, we're blessed. Got to, make, got to make the outside look right. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's amazing how when we get to church, you know, your kids act bad all the time, but when you get to church, you want them to act like angels. Act <laughs> right. We're in church. You cuss. Don't cuss at church. Cuss at home. Don't you cuss at church. <laughs> we want the outside to look right. Because we bind to this thing, if I act right, if I talk right, if I look right, then, then God will accept me. And that's nothing but religion. And on the outside, we have it all together. But you know what oftentimes happens? We look good on the outside. But you open up the box, and many of you look like this. And it's all dressed up, and it's all covered up, and it's all made up. And you got makeup, and, and you, got, you got cologne on, you look good, but on the inside, you look like this. And you know what Jesus says? He says, don't you be religious. Don't, don't, be, don't be religious because I came to earth for sinners, for hurting people, for broken people, for people who don't have it all together. I came to get you just like you are. You don't have to put on a front. You don't have to put on a mask. You don't have to act like you got, got it all together. You come to me just like you are. And I take you and I clean you up. I'm glad Jesus is not religious. When they were trying to make him religious, he says, I didn't come for the healthy.'" I came for the sick. I didn't come for people who have it all together. I came for a broken and hurting people. Thank you that Jesus came to start a revolution. Number two is this. There's a second thing that I want you to see about Jesus and how he started a revolution. Number two is this. Jesus loves the unlovable. Loves the unlovable. And religion oftentimes paints God out to be mean. You may have heard people say this. God is out to get you. God hates you. God doesn't like you. God is against you. God doesn't love you. I mean, look at your life. Look at all of your mistakes. Look at all the stupid decisions you've made. You've been an idiot. Don't, don't tap your wife right now. Don't leave your, leave your husband alone. Leave him alone. You've been an idiot. You're a hypocrite. How can God love somebody like you? And friends, can I tell you? That's religion talking. That's what religion sounds like. Because Jesus came to earth to start a love. Everybody shout love. Come on, shout love. To start a love revolution. The Bible says it like this in this very familiar portion of Scripture that both church and unchurched people, for the most part, are familiar with. John chapter 3 and verse 16 says, For God so loved the world... You know what I love about that verse? The very beginning of it is that third word. So. The Bible could just say, For God loved the world. Uh uh-uh. uh. He so He so loved the world. He so loved humanity. He so loved you and I that he gave his one and only son. He started a love revolution that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That's what religious people think. Jesus didn't come to the world to condemn the world. You idiot. You're stupid. You're messed up. I can't. He didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Can I tell you, Jesus loves the unlovable. Let me show you an example of how Jesus loves the unlovable. I think John chapter 8 is a, is a great portion of Scripture to, to show you how Jesus loves the unlovable. Let's read this together. Just hang with me. I want you to really pay attention. I, I, I want to read this entire story here of about nine verses or so. Listen to this. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees. Once again, that's the religious people. The teachers, the, the religious leaders, the, 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 the Pharisees. They were religious leaders as well. The, the, of the law brought in a woman caught in the act of adultery. I've oftentimes wondered how these religious leaders knew this woman was committing adultery. Sound like a bunch of peeping Toms to me, but that's a whole other sermon. I, I, don't got, I don't got time to unpack that. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bit down and started to write on the ground with his finger. He began to write in the dirt. When they kept on questioning him... He straightened up and said to him, said to them, if any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. He wrote in the dirt. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus, I don't condemn you. I didn't come to earth to condemn the world. I came to save the world. I'm not condemning you. I don't condone what you've done. But I don't condemn you. Jesus declared, now go and leave your life of sin. This is a great passage of Scripture. The religious people bring this woman caught in the act of adultery, they put her before Jesus, and they're ready to stone her to death. And they say, Jesus, Jesus, listen, you know the law of Moses says that we should stone somebody like her. What do you think? And they were trying to trap Jesus. And I love what Jesus does. The Bible says he kneels down, and he begins to ride in the dirt. And the Bible says that he was riding in the dirt. The Bible says they kept questioning him. Jesus, come on, what should we do? We should kill her. We should stone her to death. Come on, Jesus, you know what the law of Moses says. You know what we should do to her. And Jesus stood up and just said, he that is without sin, cast the first stone. And then the Bible says, once again, he knelt back down and began to write in the dirt. You say, Herbert, what was Jesus writing in the dirt? I'm not exactly sure what he wrote. But I just wonder, was Jesus trying to communicate to these religious people? Was he letting them know that the Son of God is not afraid to get his hands dirty? Well, was he letting them know that the King of kings and the Lord of lords is not afraid to touch dirt? Was he letting them know that I love humanity so much, and I know you want to kill her and condemn her, but I love people so much that I don't mind messing with the dirty areas of their lives. And so he began to mess. Well, I don't mind touching dirt. I don't mind helping dirt. I came for dirty people you want to kill her you want to stone her you want to condemn her but I'm motivated by love and I have come to love the unlovable I'll get my hands dirty and people's church I want you to know that this church is going to be a church that gets our hands dirty we're going to be a church that loves, that helps the hurting, that we help and love the lonely, the broken, the poor, and the desperate. We're going to be a church that gets our hands dirty. You know what religion tells us? Here's what religion says. Religion oftentimes tells you and I, well, you know, you go to church. You're one of those Christians. One of them holy people. You've been washed and washed. As white as snow, and you've been cleaned. And stay away from those heathens. You're holy. You don't mess with dirty people. You stay. Come on, get in your church and stay away from people that are different from you and act different and talk different and live. To, just get because you, you're you're holy. Stay, stay clean, stay safe. Matter of fact, do your best to keep people out instead of getting them in. <laughs> Do your best to, 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 to put up security lights instead of search lights. because keep those people. They're nasty. They're dirty. Come on, you keep those people that don't have it all together out. Like you got it all together anyways. And I'm telling you, that's not our church. We are a church. Listen, I'm going to take, we're going to get our hands dirty. Just like Jesus, we're going to be a church that reaches down and ministers to dirt. We're going to be a church that reaches down and helps people that are lonely. Listen, it's time to get your, if you are one of those people, you're safe and planted easy. You don't want to get dirty. You'll admit, listen, God had not called his church to that. He's called us to get dirty. He's called us to minister to broken lives and broken people. That's why this church in the summertime, this past summer, in, in, in July and August, we went to Seaworth Academy. And we didn't just send money. We went down there and we painted and we provided landscaped, and we worked down there, and we made a difference in our community. That's why we partnered with City Rescue Mission in the middle of a recession. We could just think about ourselves, but we took $56,000 and said, how do we help the hurting people in our community, and we're going to touch dirt, and the City Rescue Mission, we partnered with them, and we're going to feed 600 homeless families during this holiday season. That's why we partnered with 23 families from Hope Crossings and Britt Elementary School and said, listen, this church is about hurting people. We're about ministering to people. We're about getting our hands dirty. And that's why we're spending thousands of dollars to provide Christmas gifts. And our community groups are taking them shopping so that kids will have Christmas presents and moms and dads will know the love of Jesus Christ expressed through people's church. That's why we reach out beyond these four walls and get our hands dirty to make an impact. I think about Clarence Washington. I talked to him this week and he impacted me in a great way. Clarence shared with me how he coaches little league football, and Clarence told me that he coaches kids that are somewhat underprivileged, and most of the kids don't have a man in their life; they don't have a father figure in their life. He said, "Herbert, if you could just see where some of these kids live and how they're having to come up." My heart was broken, and Clarence and some other coaches pick up these kids for football practice and. In the fall, Clarence goes to work at 6 o'clock so that he can get off at 3 or so to go coach football and invest in the little boy's lives for four hours or so. Picks some of them up for practice and drops them back home. And there was one little boy he told me about that got $5. And Clarence was talking to him about how he was going to spend the $5. And the little boy said to Clarence, just so innocently, he said, Well, I'm not going to spend it because when I get home, my mama may need it so that we can go eat dinner tonight. The next day when Clarence talked to the little boy, the little boy said, Clarence talked to him and said, what you do with the $5? He said, oh, I gave it to my mom and she took us to McDonald's so that we could have dollar hamburgers. And Clarence said, you know, I, my heart was broken and I, after I'd take that little boy home, I would go buy him some dinner before I took him home. And I was impacted because Clarence knows the heartbeat of God. He has the heartbeat of this church and that's to reach down and to touch broken and hurting lives is not to keep our little white gloves clean, but it's to get our gloves dirty and to make an impact in our community. Religion says stay clean, stay away, play it safe. But let me tell you, Jesus started a revolution. him. when he came to earth, he stooped down and he was willing to touch dirt. Number three is this. There's a third thing that I want you to see. Number three is this. Jesus forgives the unforgivable. He forgives the un Forgivable. There are some people who think Jesus is like Santa Claus. And do you remember when you were growing up, you sang the song, all of us did. As a kid, we sang a little song, said, Jesus, Santa Claus is coming to town. You remember that song, Santa Claus is coming to town. Some of you may not remember it, and that's okay. You don't have to participate. But for those of you that do remember, I want you to sing along with your pastor. Now, I can't sing. Don't make this hard on me, all right? So you sing this little cute song with me. One, two, three three, go. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list and checking it twice. Going to find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. Oh You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Come on, give yourself a hand clap right there. Come on, clap for your pastor. Everybody clap for me. (laughs) And that's a cute little song that we sing, but religious people think the song goes like this about God. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Jesus Christ is coming to town. He's making a list and checking it twice. Going to find out who's naughty and nice. Jesus Christ is coming to town. He sees you when you're cheating. He knows when you are lying. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Oh, you better watch out. I'm telling you what, you better watch out. Because there is a naughty list, and you want it? <laughs> and you know what religion says? Religion says that if you want to be in good standing with God, your good deeds need to outweigh your bad deeds. You know you know how we play this game? I play this game sometimes, too. We keep a little list in our mind of the good deeds and the bad deeds. Like we're trying to perform for God. Well, yesterday was a good day. Oh, I prayed, I read my Bible. I was nice. I don't I don't like him, but I was nice to him anyways. That was a good day today. Ooh, boy I'm telling I'm telling you two days ago was bad. Ooh. I thought that thought. Ooh, I knew I shouldn't have said it. I knew I was mean to my spouse. Ooh, I know I shouldn't have said that to my kid. That was a bad ooh, that was a bad day. Oh God, I know. And we keep this little list. And we start getting this performance thing like we're performing for God. You know what religion sounds like? Scribble, scribble, scribble. It's a little naughty list, scribble. That's that's what religion sounds like. Jesus came and started a revolution. And do you know what it sounds like when you give your life to Jesus? It sounds like this. Because Jesus started a revolution and he forgives the unforgivable. The scripture says it like this in Isaiah 43 and verse number 25, I, even I, am he uh, am He who blots out your transgressions for my sake and remembers your sins no more. Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 34, a prophecy about Jesus coming. He says, no longer, when Jesus comes, no longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, no, the Lord, because they will all know. Know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Not only does Jesus forgive the unforgivable, but the scripture says that he forgets the unforgettable. Let me tell you something about God. The thing that I love about Jesus Christ, the reason that I serve God is because God's a God of grace. And religion says you have to work and earn your way to God. you got to pray this many times in this direction so many times a day. you got to visit this many homes to be right with God. You have to give so many alms to be right with God. Religion says work, work, work. Do this, do this, do this. If you're good enough, if you're good enough, if you're good enough. But let me tell you something. It's not about your list. When you come to Jesus Christ, it's about grace, forgiveness, and mercy. And Jesus Christ, he forgives you, and he remembers your sins no more. Can I tell you, that's what it's like to serve a revolutionary God. He forgives, and he forgets. Is there anybody grateful for the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ? Amen. Can I tell you something about grace that I love? Grace is not fair. (laughs) You're telling me Herbert Charles Manson, who was a mass murderer, If he would have uh, before the end of his life, if he would have turned his life to Jesus Christ, you're telling me that God would wash away his sins and he can spend eternity in God's presence. I'm telling you, absolutely yes. Grace is not fair. Can I tell you? None of us deserve Jesus Christ. None of us deserve forgiveness. None of us deserve heaven. But because of Jesus Christ, He took our place. We can't work our way to God. You see, the gospel, the G, the core of the gospel is we all messed up. We've all blown it, and we can't pay the penalty for our sins. And Jesus Christ died on on the cross he was our substitute he took our place he paid the price for our sins and not only did he die but he got up on the third day and you won't find anybody else any other religion where, where the man who came got up and on the third day but Jesus got up and there was witnesses to it and today he sits at the right hand of the father and he wants to extend grace your way grace your way forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness Well, thank you so much for your word, your presence.